This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. We are so grateful that you took your time to spend a little of it with us. We love talking to people who are on a mission to eliminate single-use plastics in whatever form. And I just love our guest today. She is in the business of trying to build a brand to make beauty reusable. Um, I'm sure she's got great insights and information for us, but what I love in her story, she's going to talk all about her entrepreneurial journey, but she's also going to tell us about how she got there because she is a career litigation attorney. So Kate Weston, welcome to the program. Tell us first, tell us about your brand and the good that you're doing in the world today. Well, first, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure I am a big fan of your podcast, so it's really quite fun to be here. And so again, my name is Kate Westad, and I'm the founder of Palette by Pack and the inventor of Palette, the original high fiver. So for our listeners, um, I always like to tell you if you're near a computer to go take a look. So what's the website? So palettebypack.com. There you go. So go take a look. Um, I love the marketing. We'll hit that in the story. But I, I want to just hit quickly because I'm amused. As you can tell, maybe listeners, I am amused by the fact that she was a litigation attorney who is this just beautiful beauty brand that she's um, beginning to build. So give us just a little bit about that transition in, in, in your life and why you said, I am going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to do this. So I think it all goes back to actually being a kid. I've thought about this a bit recently. And I was one of those kids who was always trying to figure out how things worked. I would take apart telephones. I would change oil in lawnmowers in our cars. And I really didn't think much of it. And then I went to law school. I'm just a really curious person. Um, I really wanted to know. Um, you know, how everything works in the legal realm. And I was fascinated by all that. And I felt a distinct calling to go to law school and become a lawyer. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of law school. I'll say that um, <laughs> because I felt like it wasn't really, you know, melding with my creative side. Um, and it was very hard for me to be so formulaic. But once I started practicing and where everything shifted for me in law school was when I was in a clinic where you actually represent real clients. And it was just this moment of like, aha, like I am home, you know, like I have found my calling and helping people, you know, and representing them was, you know, this tremendous joy in my life. But, you know, I always had this sort of yearning to be creative, to really, you know, um, use my creative side and being an entrepreneur 
and an inventor actually really crosses both sides of like who I really am. And so I feel like this is the first time where I've really been able to use everything, you know, that I, you know, all my talents and all of my curiosities and put it into one place. So you give me this, this quote in that um, the New York times reported that as much as 95% of full-size beauty packaging is making its way into landfills and not being recycled. So, so tell us about what your product is looking to achieve. So describe it for our listeners and and give us a little bit more. Yes. So I'm just going to add a few more facts to just, it's just crazy. And it blows my mind every time I talk about it, that there's 120 billion units of packaging and CPG beauty, personal care that, you know, food that are being made every year. And when you think about this tremendous amount of waste, and then you look at the counter statistic that says only 95% of even full-size products are only getting recycled. It just kind of becomes an urgent discussion mm-hmm. <laughs> when you look at those levels of statistics and what we're doing at palette is we have a huge mission to make beauty reusable and we want to go category by category and subset by subset and take issues and turn them on their heads and make them refillable, reusable, washable, refillable. And so when you look at the subset of actually minis and travel size, which is, of course, you're looking at like packaging units, those are typically full size. But when it comes to travel size and minis, those tiny plastics are actually not getting recycled at all, like none. And it's because any plastics that are smaller than a credit card, most recycling centers don't even have the capacity to recycle them. So they're going into our landfills, they're going into the oceans and our waterways, which is exactly why New York okay, and California. I want to, yeah, I want to pause you there because oh, sure. what you said, I think, is really key for our, our listeners to comprehend. Because even if we think we're doing good and putting things in that recycling bin, recite again what you just said about how it's really not going through. Yes. And so this is where sort of my own journey, which, you know, we'll get into how I developed, I'm sure the high fiver, but you know, this is exactly where the high fiver is a problem solver first, but also it's helping people eliminate waste, um, which is one of the ethos of my product development, that it has to be a problem solver first. It can't just be some purest sustainable item. It has to solve someone's problem. It has to bring substantial value to them. But then as this like sweet plus side to the you know product use, they're eliminating waste also. And so our first category of waste in, in beauty that we're tackling is travel size and minis. Um, and again, that's why New York and California have banned travel size and minis and hotels because of the substantial risks that they're going to go because of their small size into the oceans and waterways. Mm-hmm. Um, and most people don't even realize that this ban, I mean, it's really an unprecedented ban. Um, you know, so I look at travel size and minis like the plastic straws of the beauty industry. Nice and so way we're to put here, it. and we're here to solve that problem. So I'm taking notes as we're talking because I, I want to get all the all the good stuff. Um, so I'm aware that you have that you've bootstrapped this, you've self-funded it, uh, you're running a lean team, as you said, as, as you're on your way to build your base to start tackling all these these different categories. Tell us a little bit more about that that initial journey, um, because you know, being an inventor and trying to problem solve and get your prototypes. Tell us a little bit about those steps that you took. So I think my steps were a bit unorthodox. I found out as I've gone along the way, <laughs> but I have to say that you know it's really great to come from a different industry. You know, I'm a trained litigation attorney. I 
I handled jury trials. I had clients all over the country. I've been in so many different courts and represented, you know, hundreds of, you know, high value case resolutions. Um, and so, but not having experience in the beauty industry, not having brought a product market forward before, I think actually gives you a great advantage because you're looking at things through fresh eyes. You have a really can do attitude. Um, you know, people might say you're a bit naive, but I actually think it helps you. Um, and I think it's a blessing <laughs> to not know how things were done before. <laughs> and so, for me, you know, how we brought that forward was, you know, IP was top of mind. So intellectual property, Mm -hmm. um, patents were top of mind. And that's where I started just because of my legal training. So where did you go to get your first molds and your first, uh, you know, sample uh, products manufactured? I literally called anyone who would talk to me and I would literally pick up the phone and call anyone I knew and ask, do you know anyone who can help me? You know, who do you know? And I would literally kind of go through this cycle of like what I would do to find an expert for my legal cases. You know, I I would ask people for help. I would then, you know, redo my own research. And then I'd ask, and it's amazing. People pick up the phone when you call them. People respond to emails. (laughs) You know, these amazing, you know, experts would just respond to me and help me out and give me three more names. And, you know, there I'd go and I would, you know, just continue to make calls and get referrals and interview people until I found a manufacturer in the U.S. who would help me. This was beauty wasn't their area. Personal care wasn't their area. It wasn't, you know, they're producing a lot of things at low volume, but they're like, look, we're, we will help you do this. And that's, you know, where we came forward to the point we are today, um, you know, working with a small manufacturer. Now, of course, we're in the position of scaling and looking to move into high volume production, which is a whole nother level of discussion. But that's basically what I did. And people will say, well, how did you do this? How did you do this? And you're like, I literally just asked for help. We love entrepreneurs who roll up their sleeves and get the work done. And I think you're right about, um, would you have been better? And and we're talking to you in Minnesota, and I'm sure there's accelerators and incubators and small business startups. But I think sometimes people who are well-intended, I, you know, there's this phrase, toxic positivity, like people's going to, everybody's trying to give you the best positive advice and it just, it kind of doesn't work. And so maybe you're right for, for what you were doing, you know, finding your own path worked, whereas some entrepreneurs just, they take in so much information, it creates confusion, um, conflicting stories of how to go. I think that's, and that's actually one of my biggest tips out of being an entrepreneur and getting to where we, and an inventor, is you really need to have laser focus on your vision and what you want to have happen. And I am a doer. And I, I knew I had this vision. Uh, but even then, you know, when I was working with my industrial design team, you know, I took some of their advice, you know, even during the prototyping phase that I shouldn't have. And I knew as the inventor that that wasn't going to work, but I thought, ah, oh, you know, they're engineers, they they might be smarter than me, you know, and I, my advice is stick to your guns. Like you're the inventor, you are the one who has this vision and you're in charge. (laughs) Well, and you have to know, we always talk about knowing your audience because I, it just happens, you know, Kate, I I am a, a, a a world traveler and I know what you're talking about. And I'm, I'm shameful to say I did a major cleanup recently and threw away a lot of those little bottles. You know, I try to at least take them someplace, but you know, I'm your target demographic, uh, people like me and, and you who frequently get on those airplanes and over and over again. And, and, you cringe at the single use plastic idea. How does it feel 
to have the word inventor like legitimately attached to your name? Oh, such a great question. Well, first, I'm going to say there's no shame in the sustainability game. And as far as we're concerned, this is a collaborative effort. And I am a notorious wish cycler. Like I had been wish cycling my whole life until I invented this and came to find out that minis and travel studies are not getting recycled. So first, I want to say that. And second, I... I, it's one of my favorite things I've done in my life, besides probably having kids. I mean, obviously being a lawyer, but being an inventor feels amazing. And again, kind of like how I was so shocked that travel size were not even getting recycled. I was so shocked to find out that there's only 12% of patent holders that are women in the U.S. And then when you come down to a solo inventor like me, it drops down to 1%. And so when you look at those statistics, you're like, hold up. This can't, how is this possible? There's so many amazing genius women in the US doing, you know, just amazing things. How could this even be possible? And the only thing I can think of, it's, you know, it's support, it's financial support. And that's, you know, that there's a correlation there. I mean, Kate, I've got to applaud you just for our listeners, you know, mother of four, busy businesswoman, uh, and, and you're still pursuing your dreams. So I, uh, I applaud you for that. Thanks. I mean, for myself personally, you know, I faced a family tragedy and I realized that life is very, very short. And when you're a curious person and you, there's things you want to accomplish in your life, you realize you better get going. <laughs> like you better get going. Well, I'm going to brag on you just a little bit here. So, um, because I, I think change begins in, in that first step in the small step. And I, I know your ambition to expand the product line. So I'm so excited to know you and watch your company grow, but you know, there's a lot of people with their eyes on you. So you're a Forbes next 1000 honoree. You've been featured in glossy Martha Stewart, travel and leisure, women's health, glamour, and, and more. So clearly you've got a lot of people's attention with this, um, with this mission. And this is where I have to go and flip and talk about marketing, right? Because the one thing about when you invent a product is you have to be careful that people can replicate it fairly easy or they can take the idea and, and do something different. And so this is when brand essence and the brand story becomes so important because we live in a, a day and age where people like to feel like they have personal relationships with brands to be brand loyal. And, and so Kate, I was telling to you before we went on that I really... Uh, like your marketing. I like your, your website. It's very attractive. It's very, it's, it's attractive, but it's not, it's not so attractive that it seems out of reach for, I think the average woman or the average person going, I got to say, I think it's hard to say, I'm going to break in and shake up the beauty market. So tell me a little bit about how you thought or how you wanted your brand position as you entered the market space. Well, first I'm going to say, again, coming from a law background and being new and like fresh eyes to this, I really didn't think about the pool I was jumping into. I didn't think about the hurdles. I only thought about the upside and I only thought about being myself and being really authentic and having no marketing or advertising experience, bootstrapping this, doing a ton in-house Um you know, and with freelancers and with amazing creatives who are giving you deals left and right to help you. It really was one of those things where 
it came very naturally to me. I followed my intuition and I really let it really kind of unfolded in this way. And the, the only thing I can say is that I'm a very quick learner. You know, I could, I could, I read a lot. I research, I pay attention. I listen, I listen to my customers and we're at this really dynamic place as a direct consumer brand where you're seeing this intersectional identity of your customers. Mm. It's so ma- It's so magical. And if you listen to what they are saying, if you listen to your customers, you listen to feedback and you just have a thick skin about it. And, you know, you're listening to it all holistically between, you know, editors, um, you know, buyers, um, customers, of course, and most importantly, you're getting a tremendous amount of very quick in-time feedback. And then not to mention you are at this intersectional identity of skincare, travel, uh, you know, sustainability, and then you're creating this like dynamic intersection between someone who wants you know, the most amazing skincare with them at all times to someone who also wants to do, you know, the right thing for the planet. It's just this amazing sweet spot to be in a direct consumer brand. And when you're taking in all that feedback and then you're, you know, evolving it in real time, I just think it's such a magical and fun place to be as a direct consumer brand. Well, I want to go and ask you about balance because, um, it's a lot. You're juggling a lot and you just seem like a naturally positive person. And how, are there any tips or tricks that you've employed to make sure you stay on top of all the spinning plates? <laughs> I love, I actually love this question. People be like, I hate this question. And sometimes I have, you know, I, sometimes I'll think about that, but I actually, I really love this question because I think we've been trained as women and so socialized to put everyone first besides ourselves. And when being an inventor and being an entrepreneur and going and chasing your dreams, you are actually focusing on yourself. And I think that's what's amazing about it, first and foremost. But second, like having grace for yourself. I don't believe in perfectionism, you know, having grace and you know, that you're not going to be everywhere all at once. Everything isn't going to be perfectly in flow. Um, I think staying in flow is very important, but you're going to sometimes be working more on your business than your family life. You're going to sometimes need to focus more on your family life than your business. And you just really, you know, COVID is a perfect example of that, Mm -hmm. you know, where a lot of people had to sort of, you know, pull up and be like, okay, this has to come first right now. And to me, that's what, true balance is it's not everything balanced at the same time it's like ebbing and flowing with what is priority and what needs attention and so and I think having grace for ourselves as women and learning to put ourselves first put on the oxygen mask first so we can help others you know taking care of ourselves first so that we can you know be present in our lives with our family and with our businesses so to me that's what balance is so any advice now that you've you've gotten through this phases of the process and your, your business up and running. And as we said, all of this uh, lovely, lovely media attention, you know, which certainly helps boost uh, any startup along the way. What, what advice do you have for others coming behind you? If you had to just say, you know, these are the top three things I'm going to tell you as an entrepreneur getting it underway. The first thing I would say is don't wait. Don't wait, just and start now and start doing whatever you can. You know, I had savings, I had made a financial plan to bootstrap this and launch it. But I think a lot of times that money piece is so prohibitive. 
um, to starting, you know, even a side gig or a startup. And what I would say is there's so much you can do on your own and there is so much, you know, legwork you can do on your own before you even have to hire anyone or out, outlay any cash. Like I said, like calling people, emailing people, you know, so that would be the first thing you can research, you can read, you can educate yourself about your specific area, you know, and there's, there's a ton of things you can do that without spending a dime. Like, so that's what I would first say is just start and do what you can with what you have (laughs) and don't wait, don't wait, don't sit on the idea. And number two, I would say like your vision comes above all else. Um, You know, like my vision is to make beauty reusable and I can't absolutely can't wait to roll out all the other, like we have a 12 to 24, you know, intellectually, you know, intellectual property protected roadmap of products coming down the pike. And it's absolutely so exciting. And I can tell you that no one's going to get me off those ideas. Like no one's going to change my path about it. And I'm so glad that I stood, I, you know, I stood where I stood and I stayed where I stayed and I made those decisions very early on to really and totally and completely envelop myself in my vision. I think that's like, that should probably be even number one. <laughs> and then did you ask me a third one? A third one. Do you have a third one? <laughs> I mean, cause those are, those are, I love the part about having 12 to 24 um, uh, IP, IP products in the works and coming up down the path. Um, I absolutely love that. And I love the fact we, we love to talk on this program about intellectual property and, 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 um, and also when you work with so many freelancers, making sure that you have the right agreements with them, that you really own whatever it is that they're creating or delivering or thinking about for you. Because I think I've seen people misstep there, but of course, as an attorney, I'm sure you've got that all, all covered, but yes, a third thing, a third piece of advice for um, a business startup or an entrepreneur going on that journey. I mean, I think you just kind of teed that up for me very perfectly is that I think people are really hesitant to invest in intellectual property, which it was a huge priority for me. Um, I actually wrote an article for MarthaStewart.com or contributed to an article about patents because I think it's so very important. I can't tell you how many women I've met who had an, has an amazing product, but they didn't pursue intellectual property production. Um, I think there's a lot of avenues there, you know, to get, go and get at least a free consultation to at least, you know, make a strategic decision about what you're going to invest in. And so I think actually carving out, you know, before you do anything else, like, is my idea protectable? You know, of course, we're talking more about physical goods here and in this space, but like we have our, design patent, we have a utility patent, we have global, you know, registrations, and, you know, we have trademarks, um, you know, internationally. And so it's, it's one of those for, to me as a lawyer, it was one of those really, and some of the things you can't go back and do, right. Especially on the patent side. And so it's, it's, it's an early evaluation. And again, you'd be so surprised how many attorneys would give you a free or low cost evaluation and give you advice and how much research you can do on your own and how there actually are grants out there for intellectual property through universities and otherwise. And I do mention those in the article as well. And so it's one of those things that I, I think really begs early evaluation. So if you're just starting, I think, and you're looking at a CPG space or, you know, physical product Mm -hmm. space, and it is design oriented, it's, something definitely to look at. Well, I think we often talk about beginning with the end in mind. 
And business builders have different motivations. And sometimes business builders say, I'm going to own this business forever. And then I have talked to a lot of entrepreneurs who are like, okay, but once I get the business on this on somewhat stable ground, I realize that's that's not me anymore. Like I can still be a, an owner, but I've got to hand the CEO reins to somebody else and I need to go create something new someplace else or they choose they want to sell it. And I think what we're talking about here is if you get these foundation pieces right from the get-go, if at any point you say, now is the time, maybe I do want to sell, or somebody just comes to you out of the blue and says, I want an offer. If you don't have all these building blocks in place, you're, you're not going to be ready when the time is right. So there's so many reasons to go about this. Well, there's market reasons, you know, there's, there's obviously sales reasons, um, you know, the fact that you're creating something new, you know, protecting your upside is a huge reason to do it. But also you bring up an amazing point about valuation and about, you know, either, you know, scaling or selling at some point, if you need a capital infusion, this is going to be a huge piece of your mm-hmm. valuation. I mean, intellectual property matters. Uh, you're going to have to show how you're differentiated in the market and you're going to have to show how you can protect that as you scale. Yeah, absolutely. We're up at our, we are on our time. Our time comes up fast on this program. And usually I like to ask guests where they're going to be in three to five years, but um, you've kind of laid that out through the whole interview. Um, I can see it in your eyes. Every time we talk about your, your products and, and that, uh, that path that you've got, I can see your eyes light up. So I think what we just want to like to do is invite you to tell us if people want to learn more or want to connect with you, where should they go and how should they do it? What social media sites should they follow? Give us all the goods. Amazing. Well, thank you again for having me. And they can follow Palette by Pack. It's at Palette by Pack on all social platforms. And then myself personally on LinkedIn and all social is Kate Westad. Well, Kate, thank you so much. And to our listeners, if Kate shared something that you think somebody else needs to hear or somebody you need to connect her with, just reach out. If there was something in this episode that you enjoyed, please share it along with somebody else. Always give us a review. And as I always say, um, keep your eye on the future and, and, um, and always be disruptive. Thank you, Kate. Thank you so much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.